Welcome to this month's episode of the Doctors for the Environment Australia podcast, a podcast where we discuss topical issues related to the environment and health. We would like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land and pay our respect to Elders past, present and emerging. Our podcast is recorded all over Australia and so we take this opportunity to ask people to reflect on the country they live on and the special places they value. podcast. My name's Kaya. Hey, I'm Karen. Today's episode, we're going to be talking really about healthcare workers, their knowledge of climate change and barriers to taking action mm. um, through a paper that we both read recently. Yeah, I'm excited to talk about it. It sparked a lot of ideas for me. Um, but before we get into it, how have you been? <laughs> I've been really well, thank you. Um, yeah, so I'm going to be taking a little bit of a break from the podcast for the next couple of months and then hopefully coming back um, to discuss some new topics. There's a few things that I'm really hoping when I get back we can talk about. One of them is um, this court case that's happened recently mm. where the federal court actually declared that the environment minister has a duty of care to protect children from future personal injury caused by climate change. Mm. Um, given my limited knowledge of law, at least I understand duty of care from my medical <laughs> education. And yeah, I'm really excited to see where this one goes. Something to stay tuned for. Another thing I've been keeping my eye on, I have a few friends down in Tasmania who are healthcare workers and are getting very active in trying to look after the Tarkine, which is this really, really beautiful bit of land and forest that unfortunately is proposed to become essentially a, a big tailings dam and so a lot of people are trying to advocate to get it under urgent protection um, and citing a lot of the health reasons why we need to do that so I think that's something I've been keeping an eye on and I'm really looking forward to hopefully discussing in one of the future episodes. Oh that would be interesting. So tailings dam for people who don't know is where you store like the waste water from mining activities. Yeah. Um which is something actually I, I did some research on in an, an earlier life. They can have obviously really big impacts on the environment um, and ecosystems, particularly if the water leaks out into the ecosystem. And obviously it's also just a matter of massive land clearing that would occur too. So that would be so interesting to hear more yeah. about. Yeah, and the Tarkine is such an ancient rainforest and it's a massive carbon store as well. There's so many reasons why it should be protected and become heritage listed. Excellent, we'll have to come back to it. Yes. Shall we get into the topic today? Yeah, let's do it. Alrighty. I'm quite excited to chat about this study, one of the Lancet's most recent papers, which is the views of health professionals on climate change and health, a multinational survey study. I reread it again last night and I guess it seems quite relevant to DEA. Yeah, I thought the same thing. I was like, wow, this paper has been written specifically for DEA members and DEA as an organisation. <laughs> I think it's a really good um, paper that kind of justifies continuing doing what we do and makes you understand why we do what we do. It goes through really about how we can translate climate change concern in healthcare workers actually into action because even if you have a high level of concern or knowledge there's often barriers that prevent people from taking action and I thought that's something yeah. that's really cool that we could talk through about how DEA can continue to effectively mobilize people to um, take action on climate change. 
Absolutely. I think I really like it. It mentions in the article about how behavioral scientists have understood for a really long time that even quite highly motivated people don't often engage in the actions that are sort of consistent with their motivations. And I think that's true, particularly of health professionals. Yeah, exactly. It's the same for like all elements of health promotion and working as a healthcare professional, trying to motivate people to do things. Um, you need to overcome those barriers and make it as easy as possible. So mm. I like this paper because it's really practical. It talks about how to do that. Can you tell us a little bit about the the study itself? Yeah. So the good thing about it is that it was done multinationally. So it takes in a large number of countries, including Australia. And they invited people from different professional organisations to participate. So it included paediatricians, physicians, GPs, and some nurses. And really what they wanted to know was what is the baseline understanding of healthcare workers about climate mm-hmm. change and its impact on health? And then what are the main barriers that healthcare workers find in terms of um, advocating for action on climate change? And also barriers to educating their peers and also their patients. Yeah, I thought it was a an interesting group of people that they surveyed as well. I think the survey was sent out to like a lot of different people. And it's interesting when you look at the breakdown of who participated, people from the Canadian Medical Association absolutely dominated this study. I know. Like obviously are so passionate, (laughs) which I love. I know. And I think the other thing that was really ironic is that the main barrier, which we'll talk about later, that they found was time. And unfortunately, Mm. one of the big limitations of this study was that they they did have low uptake. They still had over 4,000 people completed, but they didn't have great uh, response rates. And that was because they did the study during COVID. So I can imagine response rates would be even lower than normal. So yeah, time is always a big problem for healthcare workers. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess we've kind of spoken about it a little bit already, but what was the key rationale for why they wanted to do this study? Yes, I like this one. It's just a good reminder of why we're doing what we're doing. Okay, so The Lancet obviously came out with the big statement that climate change is the biggest global threat to health and that a lot of people are actually unaware of the health implications of climate change, which we've talked about in some of our other podcasts. But we haven't really made the next jump that actually if you provide people with information about the health impacts and solutions, it can actually increase their public support for taking action. Um, Mm -hmm. So I think we talked a little bit about it in Body Count but didn't go too much into it. So if you provide people with information, they can increase their support. But the most important thing is that healthcare professionals, they're really trusted voice and have a really big reach. So it's really important that we focus um, on this population because they can make a big difference. Um, So we really need to make it as easy as possible for healthcare workers to educate other people, Um, and advocate for change, for climate change action. I liked how the paper sort of reinforced throughout how healthcare workers can make a difference. Um, What did you think some of the standout points were? Yeah, so I think it covers a lot of the things that we do in DEA. I think there were three big ones. So it was about lobbying, so like Mm. writing letters to politicians and visiting MPs about climate change. The other one was mostly educational, so for peers and the public, and that's a lot related to what DEA does in terms of like the different fact sheets it put out and the different campaigns it does to raise awareness about different health issues related to the environment. And then obviously the last one is greening hospitals and other workplaces. Awesome. Okay, so we've got a little bit of an intro why they did this study. Um, Let's talk about what they found in terms of what healthcare workers know about climate change. 
Yeah, so we'll try and crunch through a little bit of this data because it's quite interesting. Um, so I guess reassuringly, 95% of people surveyed thought that climate change is happening. That's <laughs> so a good that's start. That's a good start. Yeah. <laughs> um, and 93% said it would cause some like moderate or a great amount of harm for future generations. So I guess all of that is quite reassuring because those are some of the really big points with climate change. Yeah, I think so too. It showed that overall there's a fairly good level of understanding or, or knowledge of and concern about climate change, but they get a bit more deep into it about specifically um, like topics that people are aware of. So the next um, thing they did was they asked healthcare workers what kind of impact they think climate change is having on their patients. Yeah, so I was... I was curious about this because I wondered also how much it has to do with where people were from that were surveyed. So, for example, surveying people in Australia, we might say that bushfires are a much bigger issue than, say, people surveyed at other areas. But 65% of people thought that outdoor air quality was going to adversely affect the health of their nation, which I thought was surprisingly low, (laughs) Um, given that air quality is such a massive thing and air pollution contributes to so many deaths annually around the world. And then 63% thought there would be physical or mental harm from fires, which is reasonable. Um, 60% thought that the climate change would cause or affect mental illness in patients. 56% thought that storms and floods would have some kind of impact. And only 51% thought that poverty due to economic hardships secondary to actions of climate change would be a thing. So... Yeah, I think a lot of those were lower than what I expected them to be. But then again, I don't know how much of that has to do with where you're from as a doctor and what your personal experience has been. Yeah, that's what I wanted to. And I wondered the other thing too is like you might intuitively know that fires impact on health, but it's also making that link back to the fires being related to climate change. So I'm, I'm not sure to what extent people understand the kinds of events that are going to be more likely because of climate change. Um, yeah. Yeah, it'd be interesting to, for a follow-up study to understand more about why her personal experiences and understanding more um, about why people did or didn't think that those effects would occur. Yeah, yeah. And I guess we'll get into a little bit later as well, but I think it was interesting that there's a group of health professionals that's a minority that are unsure about the science of climate change as well and have a little bit of scepticism. And I wonder how much of that then plays in if you're in an area where you don't necessarily see those effects. If what you're seeing in the media is a lot of, does climate change exist? Maybe then it might sway what you think the impacts of climate change are actually going to be on your own Mm. patients and friends and family. Yeah, that's true. It would have been interesting if they had done this compared the findings across the countries. Mm. That would have been so fascinating yeah. to see, like what you were saying, whether the Australian doctors were more concerned about fires compared to elsewhere. I thought it was interesting, though, they could have went into a bit about the responsibility healthcare workers have in advocating for action on climate change. Um, and 86% of participants said that they thought healthcare workers should have a responsibility and do to raise awareness amongst public policymakers, which... I think is was higher than I was expecting, which is really good because I guess a lot of people do potentially think that they should be an advocate, but not necessarily a lot of doctors think that they should be um, sort of raising awareness amongst policymakers and talking to their MPs and being more politically active as well. So I thought that was 
reassuringly high. Yeah, I thought it was <laughs> massive too. So it's like almost all the healthcare workers who were concerned about climate change are saying that they thought they had a responsibility to take action. Mm. Yeah, really interesting. I don't know if the the thought that um, there should be more engagement with policymakers is necessarily from a personal level or thinking that their healthcare organisations um, and associations should be doing that on their behalf. That's not exactly clear in the study, but I guess both of them are relevant. Yeah, that's true. We'll, we'll get back to the importance of those distinctions in a minute. Okay, so clearly the cohort that did the survey, they all thought that, well, the majority thought they were worried about climate change and thought that there was a duty for healthcare workers to advocate, but then um, there was a really high level of barriers reported. Yeah, and I guess this is really the meat of the study to see what we can do to better support healthcare workers to take that action that the study initially outlines at the start, which is getting involved with policy, raising awareness, greening, decarbonizing your own environment. Um, and so the major barriers that they found was that time constraints were huge. So 54% of participants thought that time constraints reduce their willingness to communicate um, and raise awareness awareness in the public. 41% felt they had a lack of knowledge around climate change and its effects. 31% believe that engaging the public wouldn't make a difference, which I find very depressing. <laughs> um, 22% thought that low support from their peers was an impact and a barrier for them getting more involved. 16% thought it was a too controversial topic um, and 14% thought it was too risky personally. And I think those last points there, kind of what I was talking about before, reflect often um, the fact that the media and the dominant message sometimes is one that's quite controversial, particularly when you see activists getting arrested and climate change activists getting labelled as terrorists and you can kind of understand why it gets into the psyche a little bit that participating could be something that's not favourable and could be looked upon poorly, particularly in such a professional environment as medicine, for example. I thought so too. I thought that was really interesting. Um, in the paper, they called those cultural barriers. Yeah. Um, and the cultural barriers are really like attitudes and values that interfere with how healthcare professionals are advocating for climate change. And they're thinking really that their peers will judge them or will have impacts on their career if they are seen as being an environmentalist. And mm. I personally, I think that represents also a knowledge issue is that um, mm. there are some healthcare professionals who are still seeing climate change largely as a political issue, which is what you're talking about, that's really become mm. politicised and that perhaps if it was more seen as an actual health issue, that climate change has clear impacts on health and it's not a political issue, then those cultural barriers might be easier to overcome. And yeah, I think one of the ways that the author said that that could be addressed was um, continuing to clarify the scientific consensus. And the other thing that you can do, this is really interesting, it's about like normative perception. So it's, for, it's kind of like saying... 93% of healthcare professionals want are really concerned about climate change and it makes people mm. realise that if everybody else around them is concerned about climate change, that it's okay to talk about it and they're not going to be judged. So that, I think that's an important learning for DEA is that I've often felt a little bit uncomfortable about bringing up climate change in some settings um, mm. and that maybe I'm actually also myself underestimating the concern of other people um, and that yeah. if you understand that the majority of people are concerned about it, you can feel more comfortable talking about it. Absolutely. I think that's such a good point, what you've raised there, normalising 
that everyone has such a higher level of concern is so helpful. And then also correcting those misconceptions about what the science is. There's been so many studies now looking at what the consensus is amongst climate scientists, and it's well above 90% in one study. 97% of climate scientists are all in agreement that climate change is happening and humans are a major contributor of it. And yet there's still some perception in the community that that's not necessarily the case and that it's more like a 50-50 split and people aren't really sure. And so I guess a lot of it comes around to communicating that kind of information. Yeah, I think so. And just realising that we do have to keep going, continuing with the messages. With that cultural thing again, I was just thinking it really made me realise how important it is for those, for professional societies to make statements. I, I think I yeah. kind of didn't really appreciate the, the impact it can have. But if you have a professional society that makes a statement, it makes people realise, like for example, if the AMA makes a statement, um, the members realise that this is a really normal thing. So AMA making a statement mm. about climate change is so important because it normalises it as a health issue and mm. I assume would have a big impact on making people feel more comfortable talking about it amongst their peers and with their patients. Absolutely. So I guess we a nice way to kind of move on from this as well is to look at what DEA has been doing in this space. DEA has been around for a while. There's been a lot of education about climate change for many, many years now. A lot of people would argue that Surely there's enough education out there. We just need to crack on, sink your teeth into it, get working. Do you think that there is still a role for ongoing education? I think so. I mean, in this study, so 40% said that they lacked the knowledge to engage with the public. So that showed that there's still a role. And obviously, we don't have the data specifically for Australia. um, But Mm. I think it shows that there's an ongoing role. I think the ways that you can address that, so... Noting that time is one of the biggest barriers, I think that DEA is doing some really innovative things where it's offering quite efficient education opportunities. For example, webinars where you can get CPD points and there's also a big push amongst students to get it included in the curriculum. That's a really Mm. um, efficient way to increase education. And there's also um, been a lot of promotion materials developed previously by DEA, like fact sheets and posters that you can use with doctors as well as with patients. And so mm. um, those are really good ways to continue providing education. I think something that I would like to see is I think it's really wonderful to keep providing factual information to people um, and that it's beneficial and it's important to have those resources easily available to healthcare workers and the public at large. But I think a big thing is people are quite scared to take the next step and take action as opposed to just educating themselves. And so I'd like to see in conjunction with educational material that's factual, also educational material that sort of encourages people to, for example, go and meet with their MP or how to write policy, for example. I guess something I like within DEA is often the state groups, the smaller groups will have days where you all get together and you do letter writing to your MPs and someone comes and talks to you about how to speak to a politician and you can practice doing that with each other. And I think having an action like that where you go and meet your MP but also have the factual information that you then incorporate is going to cement it more for people and probably lead to more ongoing, like tangible actions in the space. Yeah, that's right. It's a big barrier to overcome because it's pretty anxiety provoking. Yeah. and I, I guess this gets back to more the, to the time barrier thing. Like a lot of people wouldn't have time to do that. But um, 
Like mm. one of the things that you could do when people are signing up as new members or even for existing members is actually email out a list of all the different activities that they can volunteer in and then actually say how much time each activity will take. So donating. Mm, like one, a menu. Yeah, one minute. Um, uh, signing a pre-drafted letter to your MP, three minutes. Um, yeah. And then progressively go up so that you have a way of making sure that everybody can be involved regardless of how much time they have available. Mm, that's a really good idea. I like that one. I guess another thing that they raised in the study and that we see is that healthcare workers might not see their engagement in this space as making any kind of difference. How do you think we could address that or empower people more? Uh, so I think part of that is around educating healthcare workers on the fact that they actually have been really effective before at addressing big mm. problems um, and that we actually need that collective action to address these issues. It's not just one individual um, and so it's almost like we need social marketing campaigns or raise awareness around doc and nurses and other healthcare workers around how they've targeted things like HIV or smallpox. Mm, smoking campaigns. Smoking, exactly. How we have a really unique role because of that duty of care that we owe. It shows that the actions that we take are taken in the best interests of our patients. And I think it's ultimately such an exciting time for healthcare professionals as well because I think so many people go into health because they want to help people and it's a it's a real opportunity where you can make a really big difference to the planet and all of its inhabitants and that's huge there's nothing bigger so. than that so, so too <laughs> I think it's exciting it's very exciting but also a lot of people might have grown up where there, there hasn't been something to really lobby against and they haven't been used to it in their childhood or and so now there's something and they don't really have the tools it's That's a bit scary right. to get involved. It is, it is scary. But um, I love how this keeps coming back to really practical um, examples. I don't know if you've ever had this experience. Have you ever met a doctor who is just so passionate about health promotion with their patients because they've mm. been through the journey themselves? Totally. So I had a, um, one of my surgeons when I was doing my RMO term, mm. he had lost tons of weight through mm. healthy lifestyle and mm -hmm. because of that, he he felt really empowered to be able to tell other people about it mm. and his patients could really um, see that he, like, empathised with them and understood their journey mm. and it made him so much more effective. And they make the point in this article that maybe one of the issues also that healthcare workers are having is that if they don't feel empowered to address climate change themselves, they don't feel like they have the power to tell their patients or their peers to address climate change. Yeah. And they make the point that one of the easiest things or the most like low-picking fruit that you can target to increase that sense of agency is actually greening your own healthcare space. So whether that's through recycling or more extensive um, hospital changes, the mm. greening hospitals part is really important. Yeah. Um, so it kind of, it just ties all the DEA activities together, which is why I just love this article. Yeah, and I think that's a big point, like starting in your own backyard. Mm. It's the same with if you feel that you're more confident cycling or you see the benefits of taking public transport, you're more likely to advocate that for your patients as well. Absolutely. I guess we could probably start to wrap up here. Um, it might be nice to have a think about other ideas we'd have for sort of engaging 
healthcare workers or providing further education. Have you had any more ideas about it, Karen? I really like your menu idea about providing a list of ways that you could get involved and the time requirements for each one. Yes, I've had little ideas about like, um, I think because it's Plastic Free July at the moment, when you go to sign up, you can choose what you're going to do. Mm. And I've thought it would be so good for DEA to do that for different months and do like you pick one thing. Um, and that's kind of what we're talking about in, in terms of increasing your agency. So maybe it's like this month, my workplace is going to properly recycle all paper. Mm. And you just pick something really easy yeah. and then you just like have it stack. I think that's a really cool way to do it. Cool. I was thinking I'd like to see some of the colleges implement like an advocacy component. Um, so, for example, I'm in the College of Emergency Medicine and we have a study component that you need to complete. And I think it would be great if the colleges introduce like an advocacy component and it wouldn't have to be being involved in climate change but you that would be an excellent concept like idea and have some a dedicated period of time where maybe you are volunteering your time with an organization or maybe you're focused on writing policy um and lobbying politicians or whatever it might be but it's a component that you actually have to complete and it has to do with like health advocacy, but also yeah. something that's affecting your community. That's a great idea. I think that would be cool. I, there's a million brilliant ideas. I guess um, I think the real takeaway message from this paper is that it's really promising. It shows that healthcare workers already have a very high level of concern and mm. that DEA and other organisations have already started targeting all the different actions that we can take to be better advocates for climate change. And I think our focus now really needs to be on how do we remove those barriers because we have we have that kind of motivation or we have people ready to take action. We just need to get around to doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely.